0: Episode 27 of Gaming NBS, sponsored by DarkTheater.net. Welcome to Gaming NBS, I'm one of your hosts, Sean.
1: And I am Brett, welcome back folks.
0: And this is a podcast where Brett and I BS about gaming and other topics of geekery. Thanks, and thanks for listening, much appreciated. Absolutely. So, announcements, uh, yeah, looks like, man, our sheet looks very filled in and thorough this week, Brett.
1: Yes, this means I had time this morning, (laughs) you know what, the kids were nice, they left me alone so I could do some stuff. So it was kind of cool. I just wanted to talk about real briefly the great feedback we got on last episode, episode 26. We're talking about character backgrounds. Um, We have Carl Kiesler. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. He talked about different things he's done on our uh, Google community and um, uh, uh, other places. Honestly, I mean, some of the coolest stuff that I think – that Sean and I helped to generate, at least I, I'm hoping it's us anyway, is that when people listen to the, to the episode and they come back and do like Carl did, hey guys, here was something he did. He used an old 7th C RPG method, kind of outlined how he's done that for a Ghostbusters game. And uh, then he went into uh, another method that he's used in the past around magic cards and different ways to use some of your old Magic the Gathering cards, which I'm not a big Magic the Gathering fan or player, so to me that was probably the best damn use of those cards I could think of. So that was pretty freaking cool.
0: I heard somebody do that. I had uh come across somebody that mentioned magic cards and and using them in some capacity or another for role playing games. Um and I wanna it might have been NPCs, I don't know. It wasn't Carl, but and I don't know if it was the same context necessarily, but
1: it's one of those things when you hear it when Carl laid it out, I'm like, duh. This it's it's an obvious connection. The reason it is an obvious connection to me is the stuff that like Shane Freeman, Austin, Kevin. And some other folks mentioned in a couple other posts that we had was around the use of Google Images, right, where you go out there and you're like, oh, I want to make a, a female half work, And you just do a Google search for female half work or, you know, elf with axe or something. And you just get these cool images. And from this image, as some of these great artists do, like on DeviantArt and all these other places, you, you get this story pops in your head about the background of that character, you know, and that, that portrait there. So doing that type of search, in addition to a random magic card, dish out, or however you want to use it, it's very similar to me. One of them is more tactile, where you've got the card in front of you, you can kind of manipulate stuff, look around. The other one is you've got the images. And I use those. Um, uh, do the old Google search for images for monsters, maps, all sorts of things. So that, that that was a cool connection, too. And the last thing I really liked was Chad and Austin, a few others, will uh, fight to the last drop of Sean's blood to uh, you know to make sure that his tyrannical control over the player's background is never, never to come to fruition. So they're their Rebellion, I, I fully support your Rebellion, boys. Good job.
0: <laughs> the first thing I told Austin on Friday night was, Austin, let me see your background so I could just nuke it to pieces.
1: <laughs> Sean just ran uh, his 5E game last Friday, so he took his petty vengeance out on Austin's new character.
0: No, I uh, didn't. But, there, but Fucker. Yeah, no, I didn't. But I Yeah, I got the quite the stir-up of player agency and taking it away and yeah that's i don't think okay so for the record that's not what i was really trying to get at is not to take anything away from the players but if you simulate real life okay well this isn't real life because we're fighting dragons and there's elves i get that but at the same time when you're born into a situation there are things that are not within your control and if they're not within your control the gm can may be able to stipulate those now i would say that probably 85 to 90 percent of the role-playing games out there that's not the way we play them and that's not what they encourage and they want the players to make up the background and make them orphans and that they don't have parents and they were killed and you know they're whatever the case is
1: uh well i think at the end of it though we both agreed that the the conversation the back and forth the co-op build is useful, right? So it's that, if nothing else, as we talked about, helps you as a game master get a grip on that character background so that it makes sense. And you as a player understand, this is what I want to do, Sean. Is this cool in your world? And Sean can say, well, you know, I really don't want to have orphans. I want to have this back connection to parents because that is important to the setting for whatever reason. Great, I'll make sure I've got at least one living parent. You know, it's, it's a good conversation to have.
0: I want to do a real – so you know how we they have um, real – TV series, like
1: real TV, oh, yeah. whatever. Yeah, I want to do,
0: yeah, whatever. reality. Thank you. Reality TV series. And what I want to do is do like a reality podcast live action, not a live action role playing, but uh, stream like live recorded, What are they, actual play. Do an actual play, but play like the dickhead GM. Nice. And do it for like three sessions or until the group comes up with a reason to boot me.
1: Until <laughs> so they just, just the sound of a creaking rope and Sean's body hanging from and a that, rafter. That's
0: well, not 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 like face to it. face. I do it online and record it all and say, "Hey, we're gonna record this all." Oh, we'll don't put it don't on underestimate
1: YouTube. gamers, dude. They'll find you and hang your ass.
0: Well, <laughs> put it out on YouTube and then do it again. Go, hey, I need. A, I'm looking for a new group and get like three or four or five more unsuspected players, and then just be dickhead GM to them and see. see, nice. see see how they react to it like and um, wow. you know are they going to do the yeah you know what um I just can't make it Monday nights anymore you know and then see you who know, bails <laughs> on you and why
1: <laughs> what their excuses are yeah. who tells you to face that you suck right
0: like, you know and, and take like every episode and uh, now this week it's railroading you know and it's just like well we try to do this ah uh, no you can't do that <laughs> No, I don't try wait. to do this ah uh, yeah that, that's not going to work either nice player <laughs> backgrounds is just you know, uh it's not going to work. Here here's your player backgrounds.
1: <laughs>
0: I thought you could make them up, but nah, it's not going to work.
1: No, I'm not going to do it. here do this thing. Shit. So anyway, I probably
0: just gave away my like I mean your that GM that would tips
1: are lost right there. They yeah. just threw them all out.
0: Well, oh, I could probably get a shit ton of viewers on that. And it would even be more cool if it was video cuz you could see the people's
1: faces. Just getting livid angry with you. Facial
0: expressions like uh, am I the only one that thinks this guy's a complete knob?
1: <laughs> no, no, you, they, no, they would. <laughs> awesome. Anyway, thank you. Thank you, folks. I really, it's really cool to see the feedback. And I never thought about the Magic Cards perspective. And uh, it's, it's nice. I love seeing that stuff and having people pay attention to the podcast, listen to it, and have it inspire them to think about something or just come up with uh, some concept. That. So that's pretty cool.
0: Did you miss one? Did you talk about the images from Google? What?
1: I did. I oh. did the Google images one. Yeah, that's, that. yep, I did mention that. Should we do the, uh, do you want to talk about our grayed out ad? Do you want yeah, to roll man. Back? Let's do, do it. Th- let's do this thing.
0: Michael Alhauser, a friend of the show and sponsor, is the gamer behind the awesome dice bags available at grayedout.etsy.com.
1: Yeah, I've got four of these awesome bags. These are stand-up bags, dual drawstring, tough as nails, He can do custom work. He's got a ton of things in his shop, custom colors, you name it. He can pull it off for you.
0: Be sure to mention Gaming NBS for a 10% discount when you place your order. At the website, Out. that's G-R-E-Y-E-D-O-U-T dot Etsy dot com. All right. Thanks to Michael for sticking with us over this amount of time. and uh, The millions of dollars are just, man, you, you have no idea what kind of car I'm scoping now just due to Michael.
1: The guy's got so much money that he throws yeah. that at us. That's crazy. He's
0: like, "What? You guys only want that? No, you need more."
1: Yeah, I mean, he the last the last one we got was a blank check with his name and said, "Just write a number, boys," and that was all we had to do. He actually
0: me. made a dice bag out of it and just said, "Here, sign it and <laughs> it take it to the drink. bank."
1: <laughs> it, was a, it was a dice bag out of hundreds. Yeah, uh, and he folds the fifties in a little drawstring. That's really cute. It's so
0: adorable. And so, in all seriousness, because if you couldn't tell, we, we weren't being serious there. Go and buy a dice bag from Michael Alhauser and use Gaming and BS. And if you use Gaming and BS, you, you save 10% off your order. But even more important, it actually shows Michael that you're listening to this show. And because you listen to this show, you use the promo code, which tells him that actually he's getting something from us and his dollars with us. Does that make sense? That's how advertising works, people.
1: <laughs> well, this that helps poor Michael understand that he's not just pissing his money away senselessly yeah. trying to help <laughs> he, these two idiots out of Wisconsin. He talk keeps about trying gaming.
0: to get numbers out of me. And I'm like, dude, I've told you we only have three listeners. Quit bothering me.
1: Just <laughs> if it were for Brett's friends and his wife, no one would care. That's
0: right. My wife doesn't even listen to this show. Nice. All right. So, uh, yeah. So let's do this. Uh, now, we mentioned this before. We are the official podcast of Game Hole Con. Woo! Woo-hoo! And Game Con, if you're not familiar with it, go to Game Hole, like literally Game Hole, not with the W, it's a hole. GameHoleCon.com and check them out. Uh, I spoke to Alex Kammer, who is the director of Game Hole, and I have an update on what's going on with Game Hole, and we're going to take you there. It's about a 10 minute segment. Um, Just to give you the lowdown on some of the things that are coming November 5, 6, and 7, 6, 7, and 8. I mentioned the dates in uh, the segment to Alex. So let's go to the game hole. Do it. Alright, we're sitting with Alex Cameron, director of Gamehole Con. Actually caught him before he is set to run his D&D 5e game, which he is
2: running... Tonight. Tonight. Which yep. is
0: the Horde of the Drake.
2: Yeah, no, this is, a, this is the Rise of Tiamat. The conclusion, the exciting conclusion to Rise of Tiamat. And so how long have you been playing this this one? We started, uh, boy, gosh, it's taken us two and a half, three months, I think, to do this, taking the guys from seventh level to now 13th level. Awesome. Yep. All right, so
0: the real reason we came to talk to Alex is Alex is the director of GameholeCon, like I mentioned, and we wanted to provide an update to the masses that may not know what's going on. So Gamehole's uh, convention... Gaming Convention here in Madison, Wisconsin, and it's set for November.
2: Mm-hmm. November 678, that's right. 678. Uh, if you haven't registered, which is going to open... Uh, the registration, actually, you can you have to first of all create an account on the site, and that's what almost all gaming conventions require these days, and that's simply a uh, an email, basically, and, and you create a username and password. That can be done anytime, but actual registration when it comes to purchasing badges, that starts on uh, July 1st.
0: July 1st so mark your calendars July 1st so Alex it's this is the third year for game that's absolutely right now
2: what's new about 2015s game Hold con versus the prior ones well we have been very fortunate to have been successful with our first two and our first two were located at the Sheridan Hotel in Madison and uh, since we've grown so much we have now we're now making the big step to a big Legitimate, um, awesome convention facility—the Alliant Energy Center in Madison—and uh, that's a little nerve-wracking for us all because it's a new spot for us and it's bigger. And uh, but it's going to be great. It's going to give us the opportunity to do all kinds of things that we did, we uh, couldn't do before, uh, and it's going to make us uh, be able to host the kind of events that we've always wanted to. So, what is the size difference between? Them? Well, the Alliant Energy Center <clears throat> is a is a facility that's big enough to hold. Comic cons. I mean, it's a big, big facility. We don't have the whole thing. Uh, the problem with uh, convention centers, generically speaking, when it comes to gaming conventions, is that they're big hall-like hangars, and they're just not very good for gaming. Then they just have so much noise. The Alliant Energy Center has a side of the one, basically a third of it, that's called the meeting rooms, and there's smaller halls that are set up for wedding receptions and and meetings. Uh, And these are still really big rooms, I mean, compared to hotel space. I mean, quite big. Um, And they are all all subdividable as well. So we're able to break those down to smaller spaces that are going to make really nice gaming spaces, but still give us a lot more... A lot more capacity. Uh, basically, we had outgrown the Sheridan that we could not put. We could not schedule enough events to give enough games for attendees. Uh, you know, we had 750 plus attendees last year, and we're going to be well over a thousand this year. Uh, it just wouldn't work at the Sheridan anymore, or really any Madison area hotel. So we had to make a step uh, somewhere, and this was the most logical. Now you have a lot of guests lined up. We do. We do. Uh, we have, gosh, I think at last count, 25 special guests. Uh, and, you know, we're we're very fortunate in that each year when we have some awesome guests, they want to come back. And that's a good problem to have. For example, Chris Perkins, one of the lead designers from Wizards of the Coast for the new edition of D&D, is was with us the first year, and he's going to be here the third this year again he's been here every year uh, ed greenwood was here last year and he absolutely had a blast and he's uh, told us that he wants to come back every year uh, uh the bill cavalier who uh, is the dungeon bastard has been with us every year he wants to come back and we have certain permanent guests <laughs> apparently that are going to be with us for forever and that that's great <clears throat> but we want to add new folks too um, and that becomes a challenge to how to fit them all in and within a within a limited budget. But we're, we're going to find a way to make it work. But this year we have a bunch of new folks and I think that's headlined primarily by Steve Jackson uh, who is probably the biggest name in gaming. Uh, he's coming up from Austin and he's going to be spending the entire week with us uh, and that'll be great. Uh, we also got uh, locally John Kovalic to come who is an artist who of course is the artist who does all the Munchkin work. So having Steve... And John here at the same time sets up well for doing a really big munchkin tournament with some great prizes afterwards uh, for the winners and and for really for anyone who was going to play you know signed cards and all that kind of stuff. I mean it's a great opportunity. We have a bunch of folks from Seattle coming. I should just charter our flight you know, from out there. I mean how many guests are coming? But. Authors like uh, Erin Evans is coming. You know, she's one of the sundering authors. She's going to be running some games. Uh, Jennifer Brozak is another author who's coming, who's a big gamer, and she's going to be running some great games for us. Uh, Designers, well-known designers like Jonathan Tweet and Rob Hinesu are coming from Seattle. So these are all new guests, and we're all very excited about them. Um, Yeah, I guess, you know, I don't want to list everyone. But then we also, of course, have some of our old favorites, some of the... uh, you know, the real founders of this industry uh, from the original TSR days, guys like Jim, uh, Jim Ward and Frank Menzner Ernie Gygax, uh, those folks, you know, we want them to come back every year. We love those guys, and uh, they've been very supportive, and they'll, of course, be back this year as well.
0: Yeah, so we'll, we'll create an up, an update, and we'll list some of the guests as they, they come up and bring those up to, <clears throat> to everybody as things
2: progress. Yeah, and some of the the interesting things about uh, the Alliant Energy Center, which uh we're having fun with is that it's, it's a, such a big venue uh, that when you walk in, it's a, just a vault-like, vault ceilings and just a big open area. And so the question is what to do with that. You know, you don't want to walk into something that feels like it's empty. So we're uh, scheduling live entertainment, game demos, some food uh, vendors there, and we're going to build that out and make it just this big carnival basically. well, Yeah. It should be pretty cool. And then beyond that, once you, <clears throat> excuse me, once you get into the convention itself, that's when the open gaming, the sea of open gaming will open up. So.
0: So now last, how many events do you know, or do you remember how many events you guys <clears throat> featured last year?
2: Yeah, we had, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, over 500 last year. And um, event submission actually starts on April 1st. That's when we'll start taking events for GameholeCon 2015. Um, so how many we end up with this year? Gosh, <clears throat> it's hard to say. We have, we have so much stuff already lined up. For example, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm getting over a cold. Uh, we have a mini convention within a convention going on called CrafterCon. Uh, a local company called The Game Crafter is going to be uh, <clears throat> taking a, a haul and putting on seminars all convention long about how to design games properly, how to take a concept to fruition and get it published. And they have their own list of people. I mean, they have they have 15, 20 guests of their own they're bringing, and they're going to have some of our guests are going to sit on their panels and, and vice versa. Uh, and a lot of those people are going to want to run games, too. And we have another sort of mini convention going on. That's something known as the Ed Greenwood Group. That is uh, Ed Greenwood's cabal of of writers and game designers that are working with him on various projects. They're going to be meeting using our convention as their meeting spot, uh, and so a lot of those folks will be here too, and they're going to want to run games. And that doesn't even get to the actual games that you know <laughs> that you see at conventions that people Jeez. sign up for and run. Uh, you know, our, our our huge Pathfinder Hall, our D anD D fifth edition hall. We have a uh, a group out of Chicago coming up to run uh, Call of Cthulhu all weekend long. They're going to have their own hall where they're going to be running rounds of Call of Cthulhu all weekend long. Uh, we have tons of board game stuff scheduled already. Uh, for example, uh, Lords of Waterdeep, the uh, the creator, the designer, Peter Lee is coming, and he's going to be part of our uh, Lords of Waterdeep board game tournament, uh, and he will play a bunch of people at the same time, and it should be should be cool. Yeah, Peter's
0: a great guy. He was in my two-year Star Wars game, and Got, got, uh, let me have a peek at, um, oh, had me uh, have a peek at Lord's Water Deep, you know, probably six or eight months before it was released. It was really good. Yeah, Peter's a great guy.
2: Yeah, great. He's a great guy, and it's a great game. Uh, we, we have so many board game events that we're just getting that are coming onto the radar now. Um, and, uh, we'll have uh, an increased 40k presence. Uh, we'll have more War Machine this year if someone who's talking about you know different collectible card games it's a little crazy right now actually we're trying to just it, we need event submission to start so we can start to see some of these things in writing and start to plot them out so they make sense but we're going to have it's going to be a huge extravaganza gaming i i'm really looking forward to seeing it when it's all when it's all um, all put together so one
0: question before we go on this segment we'll hmm. do updates as they come about but is there
2: going to be beer Available? Yeah, that's a great question. Of course there will be. We wouldn't do it if there weren't. We couldn't do that. Uh, the Alliance Energy Center actually has, and this is, we looked at this very carefully before we signed on with them. They have some very nice catering options. Um, there, First of all, there'll be two different, uh, continuously, uh, there'll be two different spots where that's going to be. But going dry is not going to be a concern. Hotels, hotels. Uh, the 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 main hotel is the Clarion, which is connected to the Alliant Energy Center directly by a heated walkway. That is almost sold out already. I mean, I think there are a handful of rooms. Literally, beyond that, there are three hotels that are. Immediately across the street, one is the Sheridan, where we have a block at, uh, and uh, I, I can't remember the names of the other two, but they're right there on John Nolan Drive. There's a
0: hotel. Uh, there is a Holiday Inn ish.
2: Yep, I think. <clears throat> that's right, that's right. And I think there's a Days Inn is the other one, but I'm not positive about that. But there are there are literally four hotels within a couple hundred yards of the convention center.
0: And then uh, I think. I think that was it. I thought I had another question, but I don't
2: recall. We talked about at least uh, the uh, the dealer hall aspect. Dealer of so, hall, yes, uh, for the vendors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that's the other thing we can. This big space has afforded us to put together a, a really big dealer hall. Uh, we have sixty five hundred square feet that we're going to be filling with different exhibitors, and the thing is almost sold out already. Uh, we've got some people, some great game companies coming from around the country. Um, you know, Frog God Games is coming out from Seattle. Um, lesser known Games is uh, coming up from, from, uh, from I believe they're out of Florida. Then um, we have some local ones that are, are going to be coming this, this year for the first time. For instance, Noble Knight's is going to be coming, and they're going to be <clears throat> offering a buyback program so you can bring your old stuff with you to the con. Oh, there's they, a change. And they, yeah, and they want to uh, buy your old gaming materials. Um, you know, so uh, then you can be free to spend it in the in the dealer hall or whatever you want to do with it. But it's uh, it's instead of having to, to take your stuff down to Janesville to sell it, they're going to be here all weekend long, set up to buy whatever your old gaming stuff is, which is pretty neat.
0: So thanks a lot, Alex. I appreciate the update. So if uh, you want to mark your calendars, April first for event registration. If you want to run games, July first will be bad badge registration. And the dates of the con are November. Six, seven, and eight. Six, seven, and eight. There you go. So, look for updates from Gaming NBS, the official podcast of whole Con 2015. Thanks, Alex. Thank
1: you.
0: All right. So there we go. So yeah, uh, definitely check out GameholeCon.com. We're going to have updates uh, every few months, and uh, it you know we're going to try to get something that Alex doesn't distribute out to the masses through their newsletter because, you know, hey, we want some exclusive info. And I think with the Ed Greenwood group, that was his thing that nobody knows about. So, you know, you heard about that, Ed Greenwood and his newly found... Uh, well, if you
1: go to Ed's old page, right, Ed Greenwood had his uh, website, right? Has it's recently been redone and talks all about the Ed Greenwood group. It's pretty cool. Um, check that out and just kind of see what's going on. I mean, Game Holes, this will be year number three, right? <laughs> for for a con that's only three years old, they seriously have their shit together. We've praised them before. We'll praise them again going forward. Hope you're not sick of it. But if you get a chance to show up here, definitely do it. Come to uh, sunny Wisconsin in November and check us out at Game Hole. It'll be awesome.
0: Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. We'll be there. Make sure you say hello, and we'll be like, I'll have headphones on and maybe have a shirt on. And Brad, no will, pants
1: though, no pants, no you can pants, tell us because we be the guys without pants.
0: Yeah, because we wear pants every damn day, and I'm well, just kind of well. tired of being a conformist at work, you know, dress code. So when I let it loose, man, that's Wait. hey, right, Brett?
1: <laughs> nice. Okay, Brett wears well, a skirt. I do. I wear a kilt. What's it's a oh. kilt without underwear? Uh, without underwear, it's a kilt. With underwear, it's a skirt. So, just
0: dude, you wear underwear under that thing?
1: I don't know. You uh, check? I, I, I
0: guess it's a freaking <laughs> I don't care what it is in this but at this point. <laughs>
1: Take my word for it.
0: Moving uh, on. Uh moving on. God, let's go, cause we got some stuff to cover and uh let's do this. So let's go to <laughs> Random Encounter. Random Encounters where we talk about emails, community interaction with you folks, voicemails, whatever. And we have our We have our two. first two, first two voicemails
1: from our buddy Chris Hussey.
0: Yes. So if you have never heard of Chris, that's okay. But he's actually—I don't know—I think he's more famous than we are, which isn't probably hard. But he is—he has—he has been on Fear the Boot, and he—he's uh, one of the one of the hosts of Fear the Boot, um, co-hosts. And uh, he's on on occasion. Sometimes he makes it, sometimes he can't make it, but he's been on Fear of the Boot. He also has tabletales.com, check that out, where he basically takes a gaming story and then puts it to more like an audio drama. And it is not an audio drama. It is supposed to be kind of lighthearted and comedic in nature. But anyways, Chris uh, phones in, and I'll play his voicemail. Thanks for doing that, Chris.
1: Hey, Brett. Hey, Sean. This is Chris Hussey giving you your voicemail that you so desperately wanted. So I hope you're happy. I hope things are going well for both of you. As far as my question, let's get to, I wanna
2: get your opinions about when it comes to rules
1: questions and important things at the table. Do you take the time to go look up the rules, follow the rules, or do you go with GM Fiat and just make a call on the fly, or? Do consult with other players and work out a reasonable solution. Which way you guys usually approach this? Thanks. Like the show, good
0: job. All right. So thanks again, Chris, for one tuning in, one, one tuning in, and two the voicemail. And uh, so that so Brett gets off easy because he's gonna like use this as the topic of the evening.
1: Boom. He Actually, he, he hit us with two. After this one, he shot back another one. So I think I'm going to hit the other one next time, actually, because it's a damn good topic. It's one I've been thinking about. So the rules in the game, how you deal with it, and I think part of this comes down to that player agency stuff. We can tie it to that. We can tie it to a lot of different things. But um, if nothing else, this also connects to something Sean and I have been talking about before with his 5e game or even with the games I've been running with my group I've got a guy Alpha. He's he's our rules lawyer, right? <laughs> he's the guy that can quote chapter and verse from whatever the book is, whatever the whatever the rule is. He can find it or he knows how it goes, and he is the best type of rules lawyer insofar as he just lays it down like an impartial. Here's how it works. Let's do with it as we see fit. So, and uh, it, it's nice to have sometimes those folks in the groups that can just kind of. Um, recite chapter and verse again of whatever the specific rule is at question, or how you might want to apply it. So, and the other thing that this <laughs> this is cool for me is my son Connor, who is uh, going to be 16 this uh, next this next week. Here, he started damning for m- me and my youngest boy AJ, and he's run twice for us now. And he's a number of different times come across something, and AJ or I say I want to do X, and he looks across the screen at me. Uh, how, how do I do that? I'm like, well, just have him do this. Oh, okay. So he takes that and then applies that method, whatever it is, to another thing that he can't quite figure out. So AGL wants want to do X. He says, okay, um, roll under your dexterity. Done. He tries that. Or roll the saving throw. And next time he comes across something that's similar to it that he doesn't remember the rule for, he does the same thing. Then after the game, he goes, he cracks open the book, figures out what exactly the rule was, and comes back and talks to me and says, "Hey, you know, I think we did that wrong. I could have done it this way. Should we change it for next time?" I said, "Dude, you're the game master. Want to change it up?
0: Redcon, it all.
1: Redcon Dude, at all? Dude, yeah. everything
0: you just did was not right. I totally screwed up. We gotta rewind the
1: rewind the, the tape. Entire thing. Yeah. Yes, the entire adventure was from a the top, let's people.
0: From the top. Let's go.
1: <laughs> so, Sean, when you're game mastering, let's. No, I don't want to make this. This isn't about rules lawyers. This is about making the call at the time. Right? You, you're in that situation." either a new system 5e whatever it is i mean we know how it's done we know what the game is but there's going to be somebody who wants to do something you have to make a rules call right are you are you the guy that wants to stop it stop it all right let's look it up it's on page one subverse blah 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 do you do that do you just call it and move forward or do you have a group confrab where you guys get together and say oh how do we want to deal with this what do you do I usually. What do you do, Sean?
0: I usually have at least one person at the table that is a little bit more, a little bit more involved with the rules, and they either enjoy that or they like looking looking them up, uh, or they know them. Like, hey, I just know this, whatever, and this is how it's it's dealt with. I don't mind that because I'm not a big rules guy I'm na- by nature. Like, I don't read the PHB and memorize it all like some people do that it's like a like, holy cow man and and that's not me um and it's funny because i tend to play the games that are really they have big rule books like uh, star wars ffg man that things like 400 pages and to me uh i don't read it all i get the gist of the mechanics and then i'd rather just kind of flow with it or if somebody's at the table that knows it great now we had something come up on Friday and I can't remember what it was. And it was this weird thing where somebody wanted to do something and I'm like, okay, go ahead. And then somebody spoke up and said, no, no, that you can do that. But this, this is what happens. And I said, uh, okay. And it didn't really make sense to me. And it wasn't really, it was kind of a weird, awkward. Is, is this the rule? Should I enforce it or we just need to carry on? And, Um, sometimes I think it's just kind of like go with it and who gives a rip, but I don't know. It's weird. It's kind of one of those things where, um, the, the wackiness of rules, I'm going to ramble, but you can cut me off. I think what I'm kidding. Go on. (laughs) What I think happens with these kinds of situations, and maybe that'll be something to bring up is that there'll be, I have a cat attacking my hand right here in the background, but anyways, there's. Something that comes up, like maybe it's a combat, and it isn't like a right or wrong, but it's like a far-fetched thing. So one example that usually may well, usually may come up is where somebody wants to do something, but they're wanting to do too much. Like, oh, hey, surprise round. Okay, great. I'm going to draw my weapon. I'm going to run 30 feet, and then I'm going to hide at the side of the cave, and then I'm going to bash the person in the face. And it's like, well,
1: sometimes there's a passion in the moment, right? I've got the surprise. I want to do all this stuff. I've got this plan. in my head. have bam, bam, bam. I'm going to do these five things and pow, knock the bastard out. And then off we go. Yeah. And at the time, so then you got to slew. it down. Right,
0: And at the time I'm kind of like, no, you have like literally one action. You can do that. Great. But that's it. Like you're going to get to the cave and you're done. And that's what actually came up this Friday. And it's outside of the scenario. I was just ta- trying to relate back to, But I was kind of like, look, it's surprise round. You get one thing to do and you're standing there. What are you going to do? You can run. You can take cover. You can shoot. You can, you don't, well, I want to, okay. And then it's the next round. It's like, like, dude, no, you, you can't, I don't know. People get really kind of ticked off when you're like, no, you can't do that.
1: I think the cool thing though, is that what you kind of went into there. And I, I try to do this myself and the group will do this with my group does this and my kids will do it too. Is we'll be going. And I'm like, whoa, 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 slow down, slow down, slow down. A lot of stuff happening here, guys. Okay, you, you can do one thing. What is it you want to do? What I'm trying to do is this whole thing. I'm like, you can do a quarter of that, or you could get this far, and that's it. In this particular amount of time, is that okay? Well, maybe. Or how about you did this other thing? You know. So I kind of we have a bit of a back and forth sometimes when they realize the decision's made or the rule states you can do one action. You know, what is that one action going to entail? So you go through some backs and backs and forths, if you will, and sort out what the um variation of that theme is gonna be for the instance.
0: I think the I think the key is that <coughs> the DM or GM has to give an op, an option, like two options. Yes, yes. Right? yes you sit thank, down thank and
1: go
0: Yeah, or if they go too far, you just say, Whoa, hold on a second. You can do this or you can do that. And if the player comes up with like option C, that's great. OK, can I do this then? I don't want to do this. I don't want to do A and B. I, don't I encourage that because
1: right. then it's that they're taking what you've said and expanding it saying, OK, you said I could do I could stand up, sit down. Well, I actually want to shimmy to the left or shimmy to the right or I want to, you know, dodge instead of sit or whatever it might be. I'm using horrible examples here. But the point is, is that you've given them guidelines now that they understand versus a move. No, you can only do one thing Well, right. define thing. So you provide definition. Right. You can have a back and forth. And you can work with it now there are some cases where it's more complicated or you start digging into let's just go grapple, right? I mean, you start to, you want to use the grapple rules. And if you play like a, a D 20 game, a pathfinder, or something grappling is a bitch. At least well, are you always, seriously
0: talking three Oh grappling or what?
1: Yeah. Oh Yeah. God. It's All just, right. it's, it's annoying to me anyway. And a lot of times you get into this wonky unarmed combat, or even if you throw that aside and there are mini games, they've been described as within game systems. Um, I was just listening to a misdirected Mark podcast, and they were talking about like chase mechanics. And chase mechanics are oftentimes like a mini-game within it. And sometimes you understand all the rules, everything around it, but you get to this one instance where you're supposed to use a slightly different set of rules. Right. Um I've not read the Deadlands system in a very long time, but there's a lot of there were decks of cards, there were chips, you know, the original deadlands. There were cards involved, there were dice, there were chips, all sorts of different things. And sometimes if you got down to a showdown, you know, the high noon, walking at each other in the sun type of thing, there was a different mechanic for that that didn't always come into play everywhere else. So it would lend itself to the game master and the players going, I think I know how this works. Excuse me. And you start kind of trucking your way through it, throwing the cards, throwing the chips, whatever the case may be. And somebody goes, whoa, 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 this doesn't make any sense. I'm not thinking this is working right. And do you stop the game Look up the rule and walk it through. Reread the whole thing; that's three pages, four pages long. Or do you just say, "You know what? We're heading in this direction. We're going to keep going. This feels fair. We'll look it up after and come back." In that type of situation, Sean, what do you? As again, I'm talking game master. Well, I want to flip it and talk yeah. player perspective in a second. But
0: well, and I. So I look to play – I mean, because I don't like to read all the rules and memorize all the spells, and I specifically am relating to anything that is fantasy-based, and obviously when I do that, I'm either talking about –
1: We just transition spells to powers, right? You play a supers game or anything else.
0: But when I'm talking specifically is like Pathfinder or D&D, and D&D 5e mainly
1: because those are the
0: two big fantasy games I've been playing – in the recent past anyways you know when when the player wants to do something i say great wh- how do you do that what do you do tell me like they should be looking up the rule like as far as well uh, you know someone I like oh, what a dickhead uh, gm should know it okay i think that because initiative and the stuff that the gm has to keep track of you know one thing One thing that irks me is that when players don't know when they're going to go in an initiative, round, turn-based combat system. Now, having said that, because what happens is you'd be like, okay, you're going first, you're going second, you're going third. Great. When it comes to you, you should have enough time to figure out what the hell you're doing because a lot of systems take time for a person to figure out what they're doing. Okay. Even if it's 5 seconds, 10 seconds, like I'm going to walk up or run up and I'm going to bash him in the face. They may even say, hey, I don't know how far I am from the bad guy. How far am I from the bad guy? GM says, "Uh, probably 30, 30, 40 feet. Great. Can I move up there? So there's the dialogue, right? And that takes time. So the next person in line should know what they're doing. And I bring this up because if they're casting a spell, then look up the stupid spell. And then when I get to you, and you go, I'm going to cast this. And I go, great. tell me what I have to do. Do I have to make a save? Is it a range touch? Is it a range touch attack? In which case the player's like, yes, it is. I rolled a 16. That's my result for a range touch. Great. That tells me that I didn't have to do anything and I could just tell them, yes, that hits or missed. If it hits, give me the damage. So some of those things.
1: Especially with spells and powers, I totally see that. Yes. Because when I I grew up through the through the gaming ranks and stuff. If you were the spellcaster, the game master, I mean, and yeah. it sounds like you were much the same. Is that they looked at you as the caster and well, said, okay, "Look, man, you're the mage." Tell,
0: yeah. tell me I what assume you're
1: going to tell me what does the spell do, right? If you read off something from the fireball spell that sounds asinine to me, I'm going to be wait, wait, wait. Let's take a quick look at that because you've got it in front of you right. at that point. So, if I were to answer, that goes Chris's, now. Uh, what I'm oh, sorry, referring,
0: what I'm referring to is even outside spellcasters. I'm going to okay. go up and I'm going to do a dual wield. And I'm you know, I'm gonna smoke them. I think the player needs to know what they're what they're doing and how they're doing it, and that's it. Like there isn't a rule dialogue needed.
1: Okay. Now But I don't offer that. Of I that. have had I have had players that have um like my friend Tabby, she'll she could give two shits about the rules at all ever. Right. And um her thing is like, look, I'm going to do X, you tell me what I roll. And she doesn't care what I tell her. Her and my back and forth is – and when my wife Susan played, it was much the same. She'd be like, look, I want to do this thing. And if you told me that it's a D20 but I have minus four on my roll because that's what you told me, fine. They don't care. They're just trusting my my call at the time. Now, if I were to do that to Lenny or Alpha or one of the other guys who are really you know more rule savvy, they understand certain components of it, they'll, they might say, wait, wait, wait. It's actually a called shot and a called shot's minus five. Or It's not that bad because these bonuses are having like great. You know the rule, just get, give me the math. Let's, that's, let's that's, make it go. So,
0: what you're getting at is the expertise and knowledge of the player. So, new players yes. totally get cut them some slack. However, new player gonna smash somebody in the face with a sword. Okay, don't know yet. Give them the details. Roll a d20, you add your strength bonus. Great, yep. Next time going to smash him with the, in the face with a sword. Great. Roll a d20, add your strength bonus. Third time, ee, same thing as the last two times, right? So now fourth, the, fifth time, you kind of write the shit down on a freaking yeah, sticky note attention. or something. Right, right.
1: <laughs> so to, if I was going to answer from my DM perspective, from my game master seat, if, if Chris asked me that, I'd say, you know what, man? What I do is I make a call <clears throat> based on the situation. If somebody happens to know the, the answer, we'll, we'll grab it. But the general concept is Brett makes a ruling – based on you know what makes sense for the rules at the time, using, you know, we don't... If I'm playing a D20 type of game, we use a D20 type of mechanic to fix whatever the problem is. If I'm playing Call of Cthulhu, I use a basic role-playing mechanic to fix whatever the problem is. If after the fact, we find out that I made a mistake, the players made a mistake, or I didn't something read something correctly, we say, hey, guess what? Y'all got lucky, or ooh, that sucked that we made a mistake, but guess what? It all kind of washes out at the end anyway. We'll do it right next time. And that's what everybody agrees to. For a specific example, I was at one point, my buddy Beta was uh, Mind Flayers were attacking him. And I drag his sorry ass off his character Beecher. I've got Beecher by the skull. I'm going to pull his fucking brain out because I've had it with this character. This, this He's been torturing these Mind Flayers, blah, blah, blah. They're going to do this thing. And Brett reads through and I completely misread what it takes for Mind flayer to rip your brain out of your skull. I totally misread it. And he survives. He shouldn't have survived. He should have been dead like four times over. I got to like get him on the next one. I completely misread it. So Beta looks at me and goes, Well, I assume I'm horribly disfigured. I'll drop my charisma by like five points. And I've got this impediment to my speech. But, you know, he just took it and went with it, you know, because that's the kind of guy he is. And everyone went, Wow, whew, we got fucking lucky. We just learned how bad those bastards are if they actually do get you by the head. So don't let that happen again. And we just, you know, we chalked it up to, Hey, mistakes happen, move on. You know, and nobody tried to take the time to rules lawyer it because we're in the heart of combat. Boom, boom, boom. Want to keep it rolling. So my group and my preference is that when necessary, GM calls it. I make a ruling using the mechanics of the system we're playing with that everyone agrees to. I say, look, we're going to do this. I'll have you make an X check. Sound good? Everyone goes, yep, that makes sense. It could be off maybe, but fuck it. Who cares? We're just going to keep rolling because I want to keep the action moving. We don't really want to take the time to dig it up.
0: Yeah, I wish I was more like that, but unfortunately it's always more of a somebody checking it out and taking a little bit more time. I, I do I do wish that I would run a little more um okay, great. That's a disadvantage role. Okay, that's an advantage role, great. Versus well, I'm. well, not quite sure, as anybody know? And then somebody's looking it up still and we're kind of holding. So even if I have somebody else looking it up, I might as well be looking it up. But, um,
1: I'll tell you, from, with, because, I mean, I've said this before, I, I play with a large group, right? Right now I've got 11 players. So if everybody shows up, to keep it moving, the group in general, if you have a large group, One of the conceits you have to agree to, basically, if you want to make it work, is rulings, not rules. Yeah. Use the rules as best you can, but you have to make a ruling and you got to move because if you don't, it's fucking boring as hell because you're just going to be sitting there waiting for someone to look it up. The other advantage then is that when Alpha, the guy who knows the rules like the back of his hand or my old buddy Andy who could quote the Vampire book chapter verse over there, when I was working my way around the room – or somebody started to talk about something complicated or they're working their plans together, one of them would say, hey, let me look that up before it gets to you. And they would confab with each other and kind of sort it out and say, hey, the rule says this. Can I do it in this instance? Yes, that totally makes sense. Off you go, nope, that doesn't apply. Fuck, all right, move on to the next thing. <clears throat> so sometimes with a larger group, I have the advantage of – they have the advantage, excuse me, of time where they can look something up if they, if they think they need it. You know, on the game master side, not always so much because. So, you dis- saying
0: the I'm, players, I'm, I'm the players to- have <laughs> the stuff that they could pull out of a hat.
1: Sometimes yeah. they do, yeah, which is fine. You know, I, that yeah. doesn't that doesn't bother me because I'm very fortunate insofar as like Alpha uses his powers for good. Where if I'm struggling with something and he knows the rule, he'll be that's not how Sunder works. It actually works like this. Thank you, sir. Smash. Sorry, Lenny, your fucking sword is broken. And Lenny goes da. You know, they all, they cuss Alpha out, but it 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 evens out. He just he's a very even even killed source for that type of data. So
0: here's the thing with rules that kind of get uh, – yeah, I've run into. Rules-intensive systems will m- bring up this debate. If you have a rules-light system and the players and the GM know that it's a rules-light system – And that the GM kind of has to go with the flow and you have a GM that's not going to be a dick. Everything will work out fine. I don't know, man. Dude, I'm telling you, it's the freaking people that have the pathfinders. and
1: I played played Amber and you talk about rules light, no dice. Yeah. Very much make it up on the fly. And there are certain points when you're like, this document here completely conflicts with this other piece here. It doesn't quite make sense. I want to do this thing. What do you think? And sometimes you want to – from the story perspective, the way th- that game works is you have to say no or it doesn't quite work that way or you try to give them something else. You essentially say a soft no, if you will, and derail or do something different. And that can lead to hard feelings against somebody who's thought they're being incredibly creative and trying to come up with a, this amazing solution using this very loosey-goosey, I use you know primal pattern, I have this artifact, I've got a spiker, I'm going to try this thing because it's not defined anywhere. So they're trying to help you define it. And you're like, no, "No, no, no, that's not how I'm going to define how that power works. It actually works more like this." And so it it can be faster, I guess, but it's not not necessarily better as far as you're know, not people not getting pissed off.
0: Well, not it may not be better or worse, but I think the I think the transition from Lule, rules light systems to the current day 5 E's kind of mediocre, but up until Pathfinder, I would say, and not talking about all the independent games, independent published games, um, I think that the rules were put into place so the players could stick it in front of the GM's face and go, this is how this works. I get to do this, and this think, is so that's,
1: how. That's part of the, I think, whether Chris intended to go this way or not. It's kind of one of the reasons why, and this is Brett's theory and perhaps way off, but the OSR concept. I mean, if you read um, Goodman games, the uh, dungeon crawl classics, he talks about rulings over rules. He's like, this is open and it's sketchy and that's how I want it. And the reason is make a ruling that is consistent with the setting and what you have all been doing and you'll be fine. Right. Acknowledge that conceit, stick with it, and just keep rolling, and maybe that. <coughs> again, it comes back to Sean and my, you know, communication. Right, talk to each other, and you know, lay out. Hey, this is how I'm going to do it. This Brett and or Sean is the game master. That's how I run it. So when I play with, you know, Phil Vecchione for the first time in a pickup game at GenCon, um, and Phil goes, oh, when this happens, I could say, you know what? Just so you guys know, I play fast and loose. I kind of want to do X, Y, and Z. He gets a concept of what it is them about. So, but again, when the rubber meets the road is when all that communication can either get forgotten, or how the, how it actually is implemented is where it can get uglier. So, I think you're right, though, that some of the game systems that I have read over the years, where the more detailed the rules, it's more specific, trying to account for "quote unquote" every possible thing,
0: balance in the game, man. It's yeah. taken away a GM. It's rule zero. Uh, no rule zero. They see that's what kills me about Pathfinder. I think they even tout rule 0. And then they've got shit tons of rules where the players like, "No, dude." You know? So I mean, in and in, in fairness to the player, I'm not dissing on the player and the rules uh, because the player can look it up and say, "I'm on a I'm on a I don't know. I'm trying to climb a wall or whatever in the DC is this and you're saying it's it's higher or lower or whatever but the book says it's this and i'm trying to accomplish that you're screwing me
1: yeah i, I hmm. if I, your goal at the end of the day is to play do 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 i'm going to use this phrase and make it sound like it's detrimental or derogatory it's not meant to be an organized play type of thing right where everybody is on a certain even keel and um this is another horrible analogy but i can't think of a better one right now is if Sean and Brad are playing chess, we know what the rules of freaking chess are. So we're both playing the same way. Yes. <clears throat> and if I'm going to take my D&D game and make it War Game E, then I need to make sure that I have Warhammer Fantasy rules or whatever else is out there for, for mass combat. I want to make sure I've got things to be as similar or specific as I can get for as many instances that should most likely occur on a regular basis. So I can account for those things regularly. You're going to have your one-offs here and there. How far can I turn? What can I actually do in this extra half a second that I have? But those bits and pieces are not going to break the game from a balance perspective because I've accounted for so many regular recurring things. But again, to me, even with, with Pathfinder, when again, Brett Style is if Chris would say, well, okay, Brett, you're playing Pathfinder instead of Amber. You're playing, you know, D&D 4E versus something else versus an OSR type of game. What do you do? I'm like, I'm still going to make rulings. I'm going to do something that for the sake of the event, the story, the drama of the moment, that I think is more um, important to the flow of that thing than the specific rule. I'm not going to waste my time looking it up if it would be much cooler um, let's see, how do I want to do this? So there's a case, <clears throat> I'm going to digress a little bit, but hopefully i get to my point. I was reading a Pathfinder form a while back on Google Plus. I dropped out of the community because it was all very specific rules-based type questions. It was driving me fucking bananas. But this dude asked, he's like, hey, <clears> how <throat> what do I have to do from a rules perspective? I'm totally paraphrasing here, but there's going to be a fight that's breaking out over this gambling table. I want my character to as he's falling backwards because he's going to get hit in the face, I think he can spend an X action to grab a handful of coins off the table in whatever it is. At the end of the day, all he wanted to do was grab a fistful of copper or whatever it was just to take some cash before he got biffed in the face.
0: That's too many actions. You can't do it.
1: <laughs> People went into that. They went, it's very – boom. I just horribly math discussions and – logarithmic equations, practically. And I'm like, fuck it. Let them have it. Who cares? Roll D4. That's how many silver pieces you pick up on the way out. Done. No. no. Brett's ruling is just ignore that. Bullshit. Bullshit, Bullshit, says Sean. I call bullshit. Yeah, and then Brett punches Sean, and that's the end of the game.
0: (laughs) So there is – I do think that there is a difference between, like, whether it actually matters, right? Okay. So if he falls backwards and grabs a bunch of coins, how does that – what does that do for anybody?
1: But But there's – Exactly though, but they're part of the story that matters to that character that player, excuse me for actually from the player's perspective, that's cool at that instance. the player's like, "I really think this should be kind of a neat you know thumb in my nose at the barbarian who's mad at me. that I happen to snag a couple you know silver pieces on the way out. who cares? let him have it don't I don't have to bring out the rules. I don't have to do a deep dive into." Movement actions versus free actions versus how many segments. Fuck that. Hey, man. I should be able to do a thing.
0: So you're talking about the guy snagging some coins without anybody seeing them. Is that what you're saying?
1: No, no. he just wanted to grab them off the table. He didn't care who saw him. He just oh. wanted to grab them. Just in his fist. I see. I'm like, okay, done. So I'm, my My answer was roll a D4 and take it. And I got berated for like, oh, no, no, no. You don't understand. That's not how the system works. I'm like, whoa, you guys are way crazy compared to what I want to do. That's so not. One thing
0: that make that I've seen come up on occasion is where somebody is trying to do something on the sly and they tell and they say it. They they're out in the open, I'm gonna search the room. And they roll high on their search check and they find a chest. And they pull it out and they open it up and look at the stuff that's inside and then they say, Okay.
1: I pocket that and nobody sees me.
0: I pocket that and nobody sees me. Everybody else knows this is going on players, characters. Maybe, maybe not. Do I see that? Uh, Give me a roll. Yes. You see that he has a chest. Okay. Do I see that he took something? You know what I'm saying? So then you get into this fuckery that bothers the well, shit out of me.
1: I think that's more if if we were to take this in a different direction, perhaps another episode would be, would be the player versus player stuff. Yeah. Let's that's, start.
0: That's, oh, that's a good one.
1: Because that's where that's heading, right? Is how because if I were to talk rules versus rulings, oftentimes one well, of the unspoken things that happens in Brett's group with my with Lenny and Alpha and all and all those cats is that if it comes down to PvP, for whatever reason the rulebook comes out, and the reason the rulebook comes out then is it's not against Brett's NPCs; they want to make sure that it's as fair as they can get it between the characters and. You know, if I'm wrong, I'm sure one of the guys will be happy to correct me next time they see me or send something to the podcast. But when they want to fight each other, like how exactly does that work? Look you know that up. I, I want had... my half a second lead to because it's player, it's character, character. Now, yeah, it's this matters because if I kill Sean's dude and he or he kills my dude, it's a huge thing. Versus if you didn't kill the mind flare or the mind flare ripped your skull out, regardless of how you died. That's me. That's game master world does thing versus player screws me thing. So they get more intense with the rules at that point.
0: Well, and I had heard diplomacy does not work player versus player, but I'm not quite sure.
1: because See, is player. Oh, you're not talking about the board game?
0: No, Sorry. no, 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 no. The skill.
1: PvP. Oh, you're talking about the skill in D&D? Yeah. Okay. We're I'm talking about the board game. I'm like if this. you're
0: a player and if you're okay. a player and you have a diplomacy <clears throat> skill and you're going up against another player... Uh, I heard it's kind of like throw, I don't know. I don't think that's in the rules. <laughs> Somebody quote me. But anyways, I think that that's, if the person's like, no, I don't believe you. And the other person's like, no, you have to, because I rolled a 20 on my diplomacy check.
1: Huh? Uh, yeah, I so don't know. Let, so let's take the PVP out for a second and let me flip it. If I can, okay, Sean, you going
0: go, get it on that tangent. Holy cow. Yeah.
1: You play more often than I do. But when I do play, my preference is usually make a call because I want whatever the action is or whatever the scene is to keep moving. I'd rather keep the scene going than dig through a 500-page rulebook to find some obscure thing about you know, whether mind flayers can't do that when you're wearing lead-lined helmets or something fucked up. I, I really don't care. So my preference is keep it moving. And one of the reasons why I've kind of developed the whole rulings versus rules is because that's what my group wants. At least, I, at least if they don't want it, I don't know what the hell they keep showing up to my game for. But anyway, the point is, when, as you're a player, if you were coming in, do you want, as a player, the game master to dig through the rule book? Do you want the rules lawyer to spout uh-huh. off? Do you want to look through it? Or do you like, as look, a, just make a call? Just make a call. As a player,
0: I'd be call. like, <clears throat> I'm right. Um, <laughs> I, I have the rule here. You're, nice. This is the way it should be handled.
1: What are you doing? That, That's not is that right. why you've got is that why you've been thrown out of two Gary Cons? Shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, if the I think if it's a fair route I think there's a dialogue, and as long as the dialogue is negotiated between the two parties, I think everything's fine. Like if See, I say, there you go. like if I say, well, here, so things that really get my my shit going is when you say something and. The other person has never, didn't hear it or consider it. So, so when I, in Doc's campaign, my buddy Dak, he, I'm running a wizard and wizards have like 10 hit points. Even in 50, um, I mean, I know fighters that I've, I've slammed and dropped like zero minus, you know, minus 10 hit points, 5e, second, third level, and they're down. You know, they've taken 40 points of damage or 20 points of damage in a hit, even at second or third level, if it's a crit, bam, right. They fall. So as a wizard, I'm like, dude, I don't want to be in melee. Right. But whatever reason, even in back in the days, somehow, even in Pathfinder, I'd be like, I'm a wizard. And all of a sudden I'm in melee. How in the hell is that happening?
1: To hell? I know. What What are the three goblins in front of me? I'm hiding behind the cleric.
0: Like how far away do I have to be from the action to not have somebody charge me and fricking kill my ass. Cause it's only going to take a couple of hits and they're going to freak. I, like I, I sit in the game and I'm like, dude, that would have killed me. Dude, that would have killed me. Oh my God. I can't believe you survived. I'd be dead. You know? Cause I got rat, uh ratio wise. I've got so many more or so many less hit points than everybody else. Yep. Um, so I think what it has to do is it has to be like a dialogue. So, you know, how far away am I? 30 feet up. Oh, that's too close. I back up. Okay, how far do you back up? Well, my move's 30. I'm going to move 30, so I'll be 60 feet away, right? Yep. So my, even if it's like telling the GM, my goal is to not get slammed by a melee type. So whatever that means, if I have to back up, you tell me. Like, hey, he's going to come up and smash your face. Okay, I move, right? So there's that dialogue, and I have a choice. Or I can stop and smash the you know, magic missile him in his face.
1: I've had that discussion as a as a GM to the players where they say, look, I don't want to be anywhere near your ax. I'm like, look, to be outside that range, from what you've seen, we're talking 100 feet. And sometimes the player goes, shit. <sighs> okay, I'll do it. Yeah. Because they, they, there's a stop and I think of like, fuck, if I'm and out 100 feet, am I too far away? But you know what? I'm going to make the decision. I'm going to do it. So but that's a
0: choice. There's a mm, choice yeah. there. There's times when that choice is never there. And That's the freaking beef I have. Like, oh, dude, you never told me you were moving whoa, wait the man, I don't want to be in melee, god damn it. So tell me when I'm about to get my face smashed in or somebody's getting too close. I want to get the hell out of Dodge.
1: And that's one of the things I've learned with running larger groups is that to make sure that I've heard everybody is that I go back, when everybody said what they're going to do, there's a lot of stuff. I go back through and say, okay, X, Y, Z, one, two, five, you're doing this stuff in this order, and this is what happens, and this is what happens, Right. And I repeat back what they've said, perhaps sometimes in my own words, or because I can't verbatim, you know, spit back what they've what they've told me. And then they, yes, that's what I want. Yes, that's what I know. I don't quite mean that because I meant this other thing instead. What you said doesn't work. Got it. Change it. So I kind of, if you will, dry run the narrative of what occurs with the group saying, based on what you've told me, you're doing this, 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 go around the room. All eleven folks say that. You agree? Great. Boom, that happens. And then we make that, you know, then whatever occurs. <clears throat> Especially in, in a more investigative game versus a D and D type game, but even in a more tactical, turn-based, I, I hit then I get hit and then the mage goes or whatever it is. It's still, I try to regurgitate back what the person has said to me so I can have that dialogue. I've I've tried to get myself so I'm having it more and more, and I find it's easier for me to find out when I've forgotten to do it because then someone like Zave. Just like this last time I ran for him, he's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! I didn't hear you say that, so that's not what I would have done had I heard that." Well, and that's the, I,
0: that's the key. I'm
1: that, like, "Okay, I yeah. get it, I get it. Okay, back up the train. Let's back it up. My bad. I apologize. Let's go."
0: Yeah, that's the whole key of to the whole thing when you're especially when you're doing theater of the mind and you're not having the miniatures on the tactical map and you're like, "Oh, I'm there. Okay, i my miniature is exactly where I want it to be done." And that's even when I'm doing roll twenty. We have a map and I put tokens on there. We're running 5e and I don't want, I really don't want to play Pathfinder. I don't want to play tactical, but the guys and gals are like, let's put the map up and use tokens and whatever. But usually what I do, even, even in Pathfinder, when they, when I have a map down, it's like, all right, maps down, tokens are down, miniatures are down. Is everybody's miniature where you want it to be? Like, are you there? Or did you just throw it on the map?
1: Yeah, Yes, yeah. I'm, yeah. the verification.
0: Right. Yes, I'm there. Great.
1: <clears throat> There's an interesting thing that goes with that because we want things to be fast and furious, but we do have to take time to have that verification because if you don't do it, then at least argument arguments, right? I didn't hear that over the cases, right? Yeah,
0: I would have never done that had I known that the guy was going to, you know, was going to be at that place or whatever the case was, you know?
1: Exactly. Yeah. You have to, if you don't have the time, if you don't take the time to do the back and forth. Sorry. <laughs> That's how we get her on, Mike. <laughs> That's funny. It's I'll okay. My wife came in. My little daughter came in. Uh, my youngest, Ilana, my little, my the little The DM, DM,
0: the new DM. Oh, yeah. My Hell new DM. yeah. You know Welcome to the ranks. Give her a DM badge. Dad,
1: I think I will. You should. So totally. She comes in and kisses me goodnight. My wife comes in and just out of habit, she turns the light off. I'm like, "Hey, I'm in here." And she goes, "Oh, sorry." So that's if you hear my wife. That's what that is. But anyway, get,
0: you should really, seriously, you should make up like a certificate, like a, for DMing. Ooh, I yeah. think
1: I might. Like, I might actually. You have
0: one. are awarded as an official <coughs> dungeon master, <coughs> nice. like a oh, dungeon master be. level one.
1: She'd love that. Yeah. Anyway, man. <coughs> excuse me. So where was I going? Oh yeah. So if you have, I think what Sean's saying. And this goes again back to Curse's question, rules in the game, how do you how do you freaking deal with them? And when you have to make a ruling or even if you have to look up the rule, there has to be the back and forth of some kind where you verify it. I think when we read examples of play in a book, they never at least none of the ones I've ever read or that kind of recall say, "Okay, you're doing all this stuff and then oh wait a minute, wait a minute, no, I didn't mean that. Oh crap, I forgot this thing. Oh wait, I forgot I had the spell. I mean, it happens." We want to keep the action rolling. We want to keep the tension up. If it's a chase sequence, we want to keep this thing going, whatever the case is. But, you know, honestly, at some point you're going to have to have that. Somebody's going to make you rewind and say, oh, I forgot the bugbear was there. And you have to look at it and go, well, there's no way that you would forget a fucking bugbear. It's 12 feet tall or whatever. Yeah. All right. Rewind. Redo it. I
0: totally made a mistake this Friday and the guys have no idea. It ticks me off, too, because I'm like,
1: oh, <laughs> man. <clears throat> I'll tell you, the other thing, from a Game Master perspective, I have found that I give the players a lot more leeway when they make mistakes versus me. If I do, i like, whatever. I've got more mooks. So I can just pull bad guys out of my you-know-what whenever I feel like it. More vampires, more this, more that, whenever I want. Yeah. Add a trap, fuck it. I can do whatever I want. So I tend to be i give them the benefit of the doubt because I'm the only person – I know exactly what's in my head, what my bad guys are going to do. And if it's theater of the mind, especially even miniatures, when when you're describing a thing, my words to them are the sights, the sounds, the smells, the feelings, everything that their characters are experiencing are coming from me to them. So if they didn't quite get what I said in some way, I feel it's incumbent on me to make sure it's clear. And to do that back and forth, as you as basically to kind of beat that horse, right? Is that we have to have the conversation? It doesn't have to be a ten minute diatribe or entire podcast length of a conversation, but we need to have. Are you sure you're going to hang over the pit halfway down? Really, that's really what you want to do, you know? Think you got to ask him.
0: Think about it for a second. All right. So thanks, Chris, for tuning or uh, for sending in that voicemail. Much appreciated. I think we've beat, beaten Thank the you. rules uh, down to to somewhat uh death who knows let's get into die roll all right so just for the record misdirected mark podcast chris Sneezak and sneeze see chris i got your name right and on, and now. phil Vecchione, we do die roll and it's anywhere from 2 to 4 and you know what if we throw in 5 whatever points of discussion that we just – two to four points that we just bring up that's game-related or geekery-related. Random encounter is the feedback that we get and the correspondence that comes into the show. If you listen to Misdirected Mark episode 146.
1: Which you should do, honestly. Those guys, they were really great. Hey, you're taking one
0: of my die rolls, you (laughs) asshole.
1: Okay, I'll shut up. I'll shut up. Okay, let me go first. then, Then I'll let Sean do his thing. All right. All right, so <laughs> we hit it at this. My son Connor wanted to run D D, so he's going to be 16 next week. As I said, and uh, he's run two different <laughs> adventures for my, my boy AJ and I. AJ is going to be nine next month, so he Connor's doing a great job. He had this really cool, um, <clears throat> excuse me, temple thing we had to to go through. He's used a lot of Greek and Roman mythology pulling all this different stuff together. He's got a whole world. He's m- mapping out. It's pretty fun. It's a lot. It's a good time. He's really, really, really generous. <laughs> I've got magic. Yes. I've like
0: yes. And you can even do
1: more. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's great. You know, <laughs> um, on the other hand, my daughter, Alana, <sighs> she's six. Right, She's, she's, she's a tyrant a man. <laughs> she is evil. <laughs> um, it, it was funny because she's going through stuff and she's like, okay, now you go over here. And Connor says, but what if we don't want to? She said, no, you have to. And I'm like, oh, my God, my daughter's real. Oh, my up. God. Where There's is- no choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she's sick, so I'll give her a, a break. But her, we go through, we save this child who was kidnapped, we kill orcs, we're evil cleric, all this horrible stuff, monsters. I mean, I think my favorite quote from her was, I don't know the monsters as well as you guys do, so I'm just making stuff up that'll freak you out. <laughs> So we we do all this, and I think at the end of the day, we got approximately a thousand gold pieces worth of stuff and like three plus one daggers. That's it. <laughs> hmm. We ventured for hours and like almost died multiple times, but nope, that's all you get. Do fucking bad, stingy. And of course, my gamers are like, yeah, I know where she got that from. Yeah,
0: Lenny said that. and Made a poke. Yeah, at, uh, yeah. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Far from the tree. Yeah, exactly.
1: D twenty doesn't fall far from the dice bag, or yeah, whatever you right. want to say. That's right. So the other piece, um, another quick one i just i just love bragging about my kids playing d and d no fun. man that is super
0: awesome I don't have kids and i if i think uh i think if you're a parent and you used to play d and d and you don't now man i don't know hire me i'll come in and i'll run a game I will run a game for your i don't know if I can do it from everybody everywhere but i would i have a buddy of mine that I went to high school with he has never played since probably junior high and he's got two boys I'm like dude. I, bring me in, man. I should just call him up and drop him a message. And go. I will come over, and I will run you guys through a D and I mean, you got to get these kids into it, man. It's
1: it's fun. You it's know
0: so how fun. F- you got away from it. and That's too bad, but
1: the, just remember the fun you had. Yeah. Get back. So my number two is I started reading um, of Dyson Men. Sean had pointed this out to me. It's a it's a book. I can't recall the author. It's sitting across the room for me. It's kind of a history of D and D thing. It's okay. It's not too bad. There's some uh, tidbits in there I didn't quite know. And some of the perspective is interesting. It's not a bad book. It's okay. So you're reading it. I'm reading it. See, I
0: I am audio guy, audio book dude. I
1: I do like my audio books. I just happened to find it at a uh, bookstore in Spring Green, which is close to the town I live in. And I had a a gift certificate there and it covered the cost of the book. So I bought it.
0: Yeah. Some of those are pretty uh, like ready player one. Don't even get the book, but get the audio. Because Will Wheaton narrates it. Oh, very nice. And it's even cooler when you talk about Will Wheaton in the book.
1: (laughs) Will Wheaton reading about (laughs) Wheaton. Right. That's funny. And then I said, I mean, then Will Wheaton said. So the other one is I started, I picked back up my copy of Chaosium's basic role-playing system. It's the system, basically the engine that's behind Stormbringer and Call of Cthulhu. I have not played it in a fantasy type of setting since Stormbringer back in, Christ, I can't remember even what edition Stormbringer I have. Um, but it was a long time back in high school. Played it for a little bit. Never went over well. But I've usually done it with Call of Cthulhu. And I really want to give it a run with a fantasy setting. So I picked up a couple um, of the uh, basic role-playing PDFs that are fantasy-based during that GM's Day thing. So I think I might give that a go over um, over my birthday weekend. I usually run a big session for my crew. So I might do that then. So you're
0: actually going to run basic role-playing fantasy?
1: I think so, yeah. I'm to give it a shot. <clears throat> see how it works. <laughs> and reading through it, I'm like, this this could be a lot of fun. Very skill-based. And so, well, anyway, I figure I'll give it a shot. See how it works. Yeah. And the last one I have is, if you haven't already heard, uh, Sir Terry Pratchett has passed away. He was only 66. He had uh, early onset Alzheimer's, which is kind of sad. I've never – I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it out loud. I've never read the Discworld books. I've had friends of mine that are just fanatically love them.
0: Yeah, I haven't read them either.
1: And I know – I love following him and the things he would say. I mean, he was the guy when he was knighted, he had a, his own sword forged out of meteoric iron. (laughs) When he was knighted, he was cool. He, I think one of his quotes, when he found out he had early onset Alzheimer's, he's talking about different treatments and somebody had said something about experimental, whatever. And he said, listen, I, I would eat the ass end out of a live mole. If I thought that would cure this disease. I mean, he's just, I was going to
0: say "yummy" up until that. Incredibly like serious. It's a
1: very, a very British way to attack everything. And he was just, when you read about him and you read the things that, granted, of course, he's passed, so you're going to hear only the best of all things. But I've been following the guy for a while, and just what a gentleman! It's just, it sucks. Sixty six is just too damn young to go. Yeah, so that especially
0: sucks. for Alzheimer's, it's way too young. Yeah, it yeah.
1: just sucks. Yeah,
0: that's too bad. Uh, all right, I'm done. Your turn. All right, so mine, NBC Nightly News does a segment on board games um, and pimps the YouTube series tabletop. So congratulations to my boy, Bo. And How
1: the hell do we get on NBC? We got to get on NBC.
0: And I know. I'm working on it, man. Um, and they, t- they talk about the standard, like, old Milton Bradley games, but um, it's NBC, man. What do you expect? So yeah. cut them some slack. It's good. We're getting some exposure, so that's nice. Um, uh, number two, Tron three to start shooting in the fall. Bridges, uh, Bridges, Jeff Bridges is not confirmed.
1: Why, why, why won't this die? What why do you mean? This, why won't it die? This reminds me of the, the, the Terminator series. Just let Dude, it go. Tron just let is, it
0: go. Tron's good though.
1: Yeah. The, yeah. Tron. I like the memory. I like the thing. I like the time period it was done in. just let it be. Sorry.
0: So Tron.
1: Ooh, Sean's mad at me now.
0: Yeah, so Tron is uh, going to be Tron 3. It's going to be really fucking cool.
1: For even people. though Brett won't see it because he's a fucker.
0: Hey, Brett doesn't like Star Wars, so he can suck it. That's all I got to say right there. <laughs> all right, all right, all Jesus, right. and he, isn't, he didn't even like Star Trek. Oh, Usually you're, you're on one side or the other. He's neither. <sighs> oh, don't worry, I will, I will do one of these to him.
1: I've got that queued up for next time Sean sings. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I beat him to it, though.
1: Nice. All Uh, right.
0: And then the third one, I posted this on Google+, and I think I posted it on our Facebook page, and got like very minimal people. They either didn't see it or understand what I was actually posting. edX, I don't know if it's edX.com, it's ed and the letter X. edX course, you can actually take free college courses through EdX. Um, and if you actually want the certificate of completion, you can actually pay to take the course. But otherwise, it's free. And there's one that's called The Rise of Superheroes and Their Impact on Pop Cult- Pop Culture. And one of the instructors is no other than Stan Lee. Wow. That's and, pretty cool. and, and I think it starts May 5th. And I posted it, and I got like four pluses on Google Plus. And I would have thought I would have had like shares out the yin yang, and I would have had like people plusing that to no end, dude. It's a comics course and pop culture, and it's got freaking Stan Lee, dude. What the? H- and I'm not a comics guy, so to me, it's... Oh,
1: see um, that that's right. That's where I pick up this. That's where I pick up the slack here in gaming and BS. I there you like go, the comics guy. So there we yeah, go.
0: There you go. But I'm like, seriously, uh, that's cool. Hello comics nerds the hell man frickin sign up for that thing
1: so you're gonna talk about misdirected there
0: oh shoot yeah before i go into the outro music misdirected mark um 146 so they were talking and going through the episode and they're like yeah you know talking about the weather and uh they're like wow if we're talking about the weather we gotta mention to our we gotta mention our buddies at gaming and bs brett and sean blah 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 and chris stopped and said i got something later in the show so let's you know let's kind of drop it right there and so later on chris actually did a review of gaming and bs and was very nice um it said some very nice things and we much appreciate it but if you have and we'll, we'll, we'll probably talk to them and maybe we'll we'll collaborate on something but um Very nice. Thanks. First of all, he corrected me on his last name, which is much appreciated because I think that's only fair. And I absolutely want to make sure that I pronounce Chris's last name correct. Uh, But they did a review for us or on us and talked a little bit about the show. And we're very grateful about that. I mean, they've, they've got, well, over a hundred more episodes than we do.
1: No, it's cool. I mean, both of them have, I'm, I'm listening through, I've got through the rest of my podcast backlog I had on, Ken and Robin, I'm all caught up there, and I've got an hour commute back and forth to work each way. So I would uh, pulled down a bunch of Misdirected Mark. I listened to <clears throat> a couple of them today. The one fifty six, uh, which meant made me uh, mention the Chase Mechanics piece earlier on. One forty six. One forty six. Sorry, one forty six. My bad. So it's good stuff. I like it, and I think they've got they've got a good they've got a good setup, and I, I like their sound. I mean, I think they've got a really good sound quality, so it doesn't make me want to tear my you know step pencils in my ears because of horrible background noise or something terrible. So it's good stuff. And both those dudes are no slouches in the, in the hobby. I mean, they know their stuff and uh, they know what they're talking about. So it's, it's good to get their perspectives.
0: They had a, they had an episode not too long ago that was like some clicking going on and it drove me nuts. And I'm like, Hey dudes, you guys really got to nip that in the bud. And they're like, yeah, we don't, you know, it's something we couldn't edit and we fixed it, I think, and everything should be fine going forward. But yeah, I think with those two, Chris and Phil, um what I would say as far as a review, if I were to review them quickly and not go into a ton of detail, is that I think that they've got very good chemistry and I think they're very they're they're tighter than we are. I think when yes. they list like what they're going to talk about, they're going to get to the point. So I've had people say, "Yeah, you get, you know, Sean rambles too much." Absolutely get that. It's just the way we roll. But with Chris and Phil, they've got a tighter agenda and i think they're also me personally i'm not as well spoken i don't think as chris and phil i mean i i'm i mean that's okay so they've
1: got they've got a great breadth and depth of knowledge within the hobby the things they've played things they are into that they're paying attention to i mean the whole gnome stew connection and everything i mean they've got phil's got
0: got pub cred yeah he he does i mean he's got cred so
1: yeah it's it's just it's really cool. So guys, again, thank you much. I do like listening to your stuff. I know Chris gave me a little shit that I haven't listened to yet, but I am. <laughs> I swear. I'm like, and Brad, like come
0: it. on, dude. Seriously, man. These guys <laughs> giving us some props. You gotta at least listen to their some of their episodes. No, I like
1: their I like their stuff. It's good. Yeah. And uh, they do the same thing I hope we do, which is um gives me something to think about when I'm done talking to Sean. And I think about stuff after I'm done listening. Misdirected Mark too, so that's my what
0: only. I mean. My only fear for listening to them is like, oh, dude, I gotta totally talk about that topic, and then like,
1: oh, I don't want to <laughs>
0: copy those guys. I'll no, day. I'm, to, I'm
1: gonna fucking steal stuff left. Tonight. Yeah, that's let's do gonna. that.
0: So, thanks for listening to Gaming and BS. I know the show's a little longer than uh, what you would anticipate, but um, we had a lot of stuff to talk about. I'm one of your hosts, Sean,
1: and I'm Brett. Good night, good gaming, all. Thanks for listening.
0: Thanks so much.